God been good to you this week? Has God been good to you this week? Come on, tell him. Tell him. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor. Give him a high five, fist bump, pat on the back. You can even kiss him on the cheek if it's appropriate. And find a seat if you would. Tell him that God is good today. week? Well, I'm glad one of you had a good week. I tell you what, God is so good. We don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his grace. Do me a favor. It's Labor Day weekend. Look around. Look around. God is good. This is just service number one, right? God is so good. He's so faithful. Um, real quick. By the way, this week, was it good to get back into routine? Those of you that have kids in school, come on. Can I get a hallelujah in the house? I know why you're hesitant. It's because you're like, yeah, but it changed Friday when my kids didn't have to go to school. <laughs> What in the world? Why are you stopping and starting and starting again? Uh, but it was good to get at the Herald House. It was great to get back to routine. And uh, it's fun when your kids get older and seeing what routine does for them. Routine's healthy. But the Bible teaches us that rest is also healthy. So maybe the school is onto something. The whole starting and stopping and starting and stopping, that's really God's design. And so this morning, as we just start to, to focus on God's design for our lives, start to ask yourself in this moment, because there will come a moment at the end of our service that it'll be really important that we ask, all right, God, what do you want? But if we can start in this moment and say, God, start to speak to me, start to download into me what you want for my life, I'm telling you, it's going to be a great day. And so at the Refuge Church, thank you so much for being here. We welcome you. We always say this, you are the most generous on Sundays when you show up. Thank you so much for being generous today. The reason you're the most generous on Sundays when you show up is because you can't get more time. You can get more money. You can get more resources, but you can't get more time. So you've shared with us the one thing that you can't get more of. We thank you so much for sharing your time with us. We wanna say thank you. So if you're visiting with us for the first time, there's a card in, your, in the seat in front of you. If you pull that out, there should be an ink pen somewhere around there. Just fill that out. And we don't pass a, a bucket or a plate at the Refuge Church. We have black boxes on your way out or we have guest services. So if you stop by guest services and you hand that card to a person, they're gonna give you a gift in return. 
Uh, we've got some, some swag, some gifts that we can give. And, uh, and so we want to give you something in return. If, you wanna, if, you, if you're not comfortable, if you live in New England and you're not comfortable giving that card to a, to a person, then you can find one of our black boxes. I think there's one right as you walk out. Put that in, the, in one of the black boxes. And I'm just going to send you a card in the mail this week to say thank you so much for being the most generous with your time today. Also, if you want to give to the Refuge Church, if you want to partner with us in your finances, if you can't, if you want to be extra generous, right? You've already been generous with your time. If you want to be extra generous this morning, you can give by texting 77296 or you can uh, go to refugemain.church slash give and you can give there or you can uh, utilize those black boxes again for all you old school check writing, cash giving uh, people. Uh, you can drop those in the, in, the, in the black box. We are so grateful for your generosity today. Also, um, immediately following this service, if you enjoy today's service and you want more, we've only got seven more minutes we're, we want to give you. And so we call Seven Minute Head Start. It's going to meet in the lounge on your way out the exit door in the, to my right. Uh, someone will be there to meet you there uh, and to show you our lounge and to, to use seven minutes to tell you all you need to know about the Refuge Church. We believe that God is up to something. And we just want to share it with you. And so maybe you're here and you don't know your thoughts on God. You don't, you're, you're still trying to figure it out. Welcome. We want to help you. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. I've got a few more announcements that I'll get to in just a moment. But let's, let's give him this time right now. Father in heaven, you are so good. Father, it feels good to sing of your goodness. It feels good to sing of your blessing. But Lord, I thank you that you are so much more than a feeling. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Father, I thank you that you are spirit and that we can find our identity in you and not in us. Father, when we're led by our feelings, we are led by us. But Lord, today we're not led by our feelings, but we're led by you. We follow you the best way that we can. Father, we give you our time today. As we open your word, Father, I pray that it would be alive, that it would be active, that it would be quicker than any two-edged sword, piercing soul and spirit, dividing the joint and the marrow, that it would be alive in us. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for Jesus. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Man, give God some love today. Come on. Well, if you're visiting with us for the first time, my name is Pastor Adam Harold, 
and my awesome, beautiful wife just walked off the stage. Uh, we get to lead this community we call the Refuge together. We do it as a team. We couldn't do it without her, and she couldn't do it without me on most days. So uh, thank you so much for, uh, for being here today. So just two more announcements that I have. I think it's two. It might be three. Um, but um, the first one is today is our first Sunday of small group sign up. So um, we, I think we've got seven small groups that we're launching, that we're launching next week. And so um, we've changed it up a little bit this semester for small groups. By the way, um, small groups are, are imperative to our, to our walk with Jesus. Um, we don't, you know, so we only gather together as a collective whole on Sundays at the refuge. Um, but we gather throughout the week in small groups. And it's, um, some people have called it the secret sauce of what we do. And uh, it's absolutely one of our favorite things. And so we've changed it up a little bit this year uh, or this semester where um, we, do, we do what we call identi- or, um, not identity-based groups, although they could be called that. Um, we do what we call uh, interest-based groups um, where if you have an interest, you can go to that. There's a few interest-based groups that will be meeting um, this week. I think one of the interest-based groups is on health being healthy humans, and so they're getting together and working out and talking about uh, food plans and things like that. Some of you, I need to join that one. Come on, somebody, right? And so, um, you know, so, so there, there's interest-based groups, but then we typically have what we call study-based groups, but this, this semester we're taking all study-based groups and we're calling them Big Idea 2.0. And what Big Idea 2.0 groups are is those are groups that will geared, be geared towards discussing the sermon from Sunday. And so groups aren't, we're not just where a study-based group would be a book, like a certain book or something like that. We're, we're condensing it to just be about what we talked about on Sunday. Now, here's what happens. Now, small groups become an extension of Sunday. And so some people have asked the question, what, what do I do if I can't go to church on Sunday? Like, if I, if I miss Sunday, why, like, am I going to be lost when I go to, to small group? The, the question to that answer is absolutely not. For one, we do put our podcasts on the website, and you can, you can listen to any of our, of our messages on refugemain.church slash messages. You can go and listen to them there. So you can listen to it, hopefully, before your small group. However... If you miss Sunday, then um, we want you to feel like you didn't miss anything. We missed you. Whenever you can't be here on Sunday morning, we miss you greatly. However, you get to go and you get to learn, you get to talk and discuss, and even give your opinion in real time about what the pastor said on Sunday. And so hopefully, uh, you know, that, that'll be, those will be, I, I, I think, it does a couple of things. One, it, it limits the, the time that a small group leader has to prepare for their, for their group. But also, it brings unity to what we're doing. And we get to grow together as a body of Jesus. 
and um, I absolutely love that. I'm excited about Big Idea 2.0 groups. So to sign up for small groups today, you're, you're going to go to, you can do one or two things. You can go to refugemain.church slash groups, and you can look at all the groups that we're offering, or you can swing by the banner that says small groups, and there's a QR code, and you can scan it, and guess where it's going to take you? refugemain.church slash groups. So, um, so you can go and, and scan that QR code. Um, the second thing is that if you noticed on your way in this morning, there's a grocery cart outside with groceries in it. Um, if you're wondering what that's for, um, today is first Sunday food drive. Every first Sunday of the month, we are. If if you're like, oh, I forgot. I knew that I was. There was something I was supposed to bring to church this morning. It's okay. It's only September. Next month is October, and we'll do it again the first Sunday of October. And, um, and we'll, we'll put out the cart, and, um, and, and then all the proceeds of that food drive go to um, our local food pantry. So um, those are the announcements for today. Let's get into God's Word. Um, if you want to follow along with today's notes, you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. Um, go head on over to the events portion in the YouVersion app, and uh, all of today's notes should be there. Did you have a good week? Yeah. Was it just me? Yep. Yeah, no? Good. I'm glad, I'm glad three of us had a great week last week. <laughs> but you know what? The last question I asked, it was only one. So participation is growing. It's growing. It's growing. Um, so we've been in a series, and today is the conclusion of the series um, that we're calling the Dashboards for Life. Have you enjoyed this series? Yeah. Okay, now we've got five people participating. Five of us have enjoyed this series. Um, I, I hope that you've enjoyed it, uh, and uh, I've, I've enjoyed preaching it. And, and so um, in it, we've been talking about the dashboards for life. I'm going to give you a quick summary. It's going to be really quick. Week one, we talked about the dashboard of death, and we talked about how the indicators of the dashboard of death include the indicator of good and the indicator of evil. The indicator of good and the indicator of evil. Every dashboard has two indicators. The second week, we talked about the dashboard of defeat, and we talked about how the indicators on the dashboard of defeat are truth and lies. Truth and lies. We said that the lies of Satan will defeat you, but the truth of God's word will defeat Satan. And so um, that's what we talked about in week two. Week three, we talked about the dashboard of demand and how uh, the, the two indicators were law and grace. Both will put demands on our lives. Law and grace. If you missed any of those messages, you can go again, refugemain.church slash messages. Today, we're concluding this series with the dashboard of definition. We're going to talk about the dashboard that defines every human being, the dashboard of definition. The basis of this series has been found in the Garden of Eden. Only in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve didn't drive Jaguars. They named Jaguars. <laughs> See what I did there? Some of you will catch up to it later. But they didn't drive vehicles. They didn't drive cars. But they did climb trees. <laughs> I don't know if they climbed trees, but um, they had trees. 
And in the Garden of Eden, the two dashboards that we're presented with are the tree of life and the tree of death. The tree of death, we talked about it in week one. It has two indicators. The Bible doesn't call it the tree of death. The Bible calls it the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So the two indicators of the tree of death have good and evil as the indicators. And so um, today we're talking about the dashboard of definition. It also has two indicators. Indicator number one of the dashboard of definition is the indicator of the flesh. The flesh. Indicator number two is the indicator of the spirit. The spirit. So in our lives, we are all led by one of those two indicators, the, the indicator of the flesh or the indicator of the spirit. We're going to define both of those this morning. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I already asked you to do that, so if you've done that, we can get right into it. It's on the screen if, if you want to follow along. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul writes the Christians in Rome, and he says this, those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Verse 6 is important. It's our focus verse. It says, so let your sinful nature, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Everybody read it. Leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. And it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. Father, I pray that as we open it this morning, Father, that it would expose the flesh in our lives, expose ways in our lives that we've allowed the flesh to influence what we do, and that we would learn, God, to be led by your spirit and what it means to be spirit-led. Father, I pray that your word would speak louder than my words. Father, that your word would be true, that your word would expose things in our lives that do not belong. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, the big idea for today, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write it down anyway. It's the one thing that I want to communicate to you this morning. One thing, if I could communicate to you today, would be this. We form our identity based on flesh or based on the Spirit. That's it. We form our identity based on our flesh or based on the Spirit. That's why it's the, defi it's, it's the dashboard of, de of definition. The reason is the dashboard of definition is because it defines our identity. It's either a flesh-formed identity or a Christ-formed identity. There's not much in between. In fact, there's nothing in between. It's one or the other. And so 
we have to identify or we have to define what the flesh is and what the spirit is. If, we're, if, if those are the two things that we have to choose from, then we have to know what they mean. And so um, in order to define the flesh, I want to look at a different translation for Romans chapter 8, verse 6 that we just read. This is the English Standard Version. It's a little bit closer to the original language. So as Bible translators uh, translated the original language, the Bible wasn't written in English. Duh. Right? It was, it was written in, in, I mean, some people might, might believe that the Bible was originally written in English. When Paul was actually writing to the Romans, he was writing it in English. No, 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 no. When Paul was writing to the Romans, he was writing in either Aramaic, Greek, or Latin. Those are the three uh, languages of the New Testament. But the language of the Old Testament is Hebrew. And so the original language for, um, for is, is closer to, to being what is written in Romans chapter 8 in the English Standard Version more so than the New Living Translation that I just wrote or that I just read. <laughs> I didn't write it. I wish I wrote it. No, I don't. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 in the English Standard Version says this, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So what, how does the New Living Translation define the flesh that we just read in, in Romans 8, 6? Those who are dominated by the sinful nature. So I'm just going to steal the definition of the flesh from the New Living Translation, because I don't have to make it more complicated than it is. And so the flesh is simply our sinful nature. And so one of the indicators of the dashboard of definition is sinful nature, and the other one is the Spirit. Now, by the Spirit, again, Paul writes, and he, said, and he calls the Spirit controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so really it's being controlled by God. And when we're controlled by God, the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20 that we are crucified with Christ. It's no longer us that lives, no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives inside of me. And so to be led by the Spirit is to have an identity formed by Jesus formed by Christ. And so, dashboard of definition, it has to, we are defined by either our sinful nature or being defined by being led by Jesus. Does that make sense? So, if you're, let me, let me make it super easy for you. If you're taking notes, write flesh equals sinful nature, spirit equals identity in Christ. And so um, your life is going to be defined by one or the other. This is one of the things that I love to do with, with my, my biblical counselor. Um, every week I sit down with, um, with, a, with a licensed counselor, biblical counselor. And um, what we do is um, I, I, have the, I have the privilege of telling him my story, my history, if you will. I get to tell him about um, how I moved around as, as a child or as a kid. I went to four high schools in three years in three different states. And, um, and I get to tell him about how Tanya and I met in Bible college and, and how we 
how we fell in love at first sight. Why are you guys laughing? You know. Um, how we fell in love. And how I convinced her to marry me. How about that? So I get to share with him my, my history, my story. And what he does for me is he tells me, he says things like this to me. Do you think that you need to forgive? And I'm like, uh, probably. <laughs> do you think I do? <laughs> right? <That's, laughs> we had a friend that was, uh, <laughs> that was telling us about going to a counselor or ther her therapist. And she was like, he would ask me, like, what do you think you should do? And I'm like, well, what do you think I should do? Like, you're my counselor. I'm, I'm paying you a lot of money right now. You tell me what to do. That's not the way counseling works, by the way. Um, probably why I'm not a counselor, because I like to tell people what to do sometimes. <laughs> but I love sitting down with him, sharing my story, and he takes God's word, and he says, all right, have you formed an identity based on your flesh? Because what was done to you was painful. What was done to you hurt. But it, has it caused you to, to form some thoughts that might be led by your sinful nature and not led by Jesus? And it's powerful. It's why I believe that every follower of Jesus needs to see a a Christian counselor. And maybe I should even put it as a biblical counselor. Someone that's going to take God's word and, and, and show you where you formed Christ-like. And, and one of the other things that, I, that, that I, he had me do is I, I filled out a personality assessment. And, and in the personality assessment, he's looking through it. And um, the one that they, it's awesome. The one that they used was one I'd never heard of before. And um, he told me, he said, it's a secular-based personality assessment, but it's, it's the most accurate when it comes to being led by the flesh. And my mind goes to God's word when it, when it teaches us that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God, who, who are called according to his purpose. We can do things led by our, by, by our flesh that God turns into being led by the Spirit. That's how he works. And so um, as I was talking to him this last week, he told me, he said, the flesh, this, this is all from him, and so I, I want to give him credit. But he said the flesh does one or two things every single time. The flesh, number one, protects us. The, your flesh, your sinful nature will always try to either protect you or number two, perform. Our flesh will always protect and it will always perform. Now, let me explain it to you this way. Anybody ever experienced peer pressure? Anybody? Uh, yeah, even, even at 42 years old, I still experience peer pressure. 
And what happens when we give in to the peer pressure, when we do something that we don't want to do, what we're doing is we're protecting because we want to protect our reputation. We want to protect us. We want people to like us. We protect or we perform and we do whatever it is that they're asking us to do. See how that works? And so the flesh will often, and that's just an example. That's just one example. Maybe you can think of other examples that the flesh will always protect or perform. It'll do one of those two things. Now, here's what I love about God's word. God's word never leaves us in the dark. In fact, God's word spells things out for us. And, and I love how it spells things out for us because you know what my most frustrating thing about my check engine light coming on in my car is? Why is this darn thing on? Why in the world is that light on? And how do I get it to go away? So I have to drive on over to AutoZone or Advanced Auto Parts or wherever, wherever I'm in the neighborhood at. I pull in, and they've got this little machine called the diagnostic machine. They hook it up, and it tells me why the light is on. Usually it's a CO2 sensor, whatever that is. And so God's Word has a diagnostic for how you know which indicator is on when it comes to the dashboard of definition. It's found in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, if you want to turn there, you can. The first one that we're going to look at is the diagnostic of the flesh. Why is the light of the flesh on? Read with me in verse 19. Starting in verse 19, it says this. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature. Let me rewrite it for this morning. When your flesh light is on. Not your flashlight, your fleshlight. Sometimes it preaches better than I wrote it. <laughs> when you follow the desires of your flesh nature, the results are very clear. So this is the results. These are the results. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty heavy stuff, huh? Ask yourself this morning, are any of these things in this list consistent with my life? Maybe a better question is where in my life are these things consistent? Because I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that 100% of human beings have every single one of those things on that list in some point, part of their life. Pastor Adam, it says 
that any living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So who's going to heaven? We're going to answer that question in a moment. But before we do, let's look at the fruits of the Spirit. You know, it's, it's interesting that in the Garden of Eden, they didn't have cars, so they didn't have indicators. But they had trees, and the indicators of a tree is a fruit. And so the list that we just read were the fruit of the flesh. Now let's read the fruit of the Spirit. It's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, that list sounds a little lighter, doesn't it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all things that I want to have. But how do I receive those gifts? How do I bear those fruits? The only way we can show true love in our lives is with the Holy Spirit. The only way we can show true joy in our lives is with the Holy Spirit. The only way we can have true peace is with the Holy Spirit. But your life will be defined by sinful nature or Identity in Christ. When your identity is in Jesus, you have the list of the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to still struggle. That doesn't mean that we're still going to have bouts with sexual immorality or we're going to have bouts with envy. I love how these two lists fight against each other. There's, there's a word, and so, so some of you are sitting there and you're saying, but how? How do I obtain the fruits of the Spirit? If that list is so much lighter, how do I obtain those? How do I have those? And there's one word to, to, to describe it. If you want to know how you receive those gifts, there's one word. Are you ready for it? Yes. Surrender. The only way you can identify in Jesus is if you surrender to the flesh. You have to empty yourself, get rid of flesh, and identify in Christ. And the only way you can do that is surrender. And that's why so many people say no to Jesus. Because they struggle with surrender. We want to hold on to what we think is best. When God says, no, this, the Spirit will give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. But that other thing known as the sinful nature, it'll give you these things. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. Some of you read that list and you're going, oh, but that sounds like fun, Pastor Adam. I, am, I, am I wrong? 
It sounds like fun. And you know what? It does. But it will lead you to destruction. And if we don't choose the fruit of the Spirit, if we don't choose to identify in Jesus, the result is not the kingdom of heaven. But check this out. This is where it gets good. Back to the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 9 through 11. So this is the very next verse of Romans chapter 8, verse 9. We already read to verse 8. It says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but of the Spirit, because you received Jesus. You are not of the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Anyone who doesn't find their identity in Jesus doesn't belong to him. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, because of sin, the Spirit is life. Because of what? Because of righteousness. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. <laughs> Listen, God raised Jesus from the dead, his body, and he's going to raise you from the dead as well. Because we're dead in our sin, because of our sinful nature, the flesh has died. But the God that you put your faith in has already brought Jesus back from the dead, and he can bring you back from the dead too. Because of what? Because of righteousness. Whose righteousness? Whose righteousness? Not yours? Jesus' righteousness. Jesus shares his righteousness with us. The Old Testament teaches us that our righteousness, are the, the most righteous thing that we do, the Old Testament calls it filthy rags. And that's putting it lightly. And so the righteous things that we do are filthy rags compared to the righteousness that God does. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he says, here's my righteousness. You can have it. And you know what? That doesn't mean that the flesh doesn't, that we don't struggle with the flesh. That doesn't mean that we don't struggle with those things. That's why they sound like they're fun. Because we still struggle with the flesh. But when we identify in Jesus, hallelujah, we receive the righteousness of God and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells inside of you. Hallelujah. Amen. When we receive God's grace 
through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift from God. So I can't go around boasting about my salvation. It has absolutely nothing to do with me and everything to do with what Jesus did. What's interesting about our flesh is it protects and it performs. The only one that can protect your soul isn't you. It's Jesus. The only performance that God wants to see in our lives isn't yours, but it's Jesus's. When we are led by the Spirit, we identify with Christ, and Christ transforms who we are. That's why we have love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. That's why we have those things. But what's interesting about that list is you can see how they fight against each other, isn't it? Isn't it interesting how you can't have self-control and drunkenness at the same time? You can't have self-control and sexual immorality at the same time? You can't have gentleness and hostility at the same time? They go against each other. The Spirit always goes against the flesh because we know when we choose the Spirit. The question for us today is what have you chosen? Have you chosen to identify with the things of the flesh? Or have you chosen to identify with your identity in Jesus? I can't answer that question for you. I can't. Only you can. Send your feet. I want to pray with you. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. And uh, when we do, we'll have members of the prayer team up here that want to pray with you in any, any way that, that you need prayer. We don't want anyone to leave here needing prayer. You know, the beauty of being in a community like this is that when I start to live in my flesh, I have someone that loves me that comes up to me, puts their arm around me, and says, Pastor Adam, you think maybe your flesh is getting in the way here? You think maybe you're choosing this because of that? We need people to come up to us and to put their arms around us and to say is this the spirit of God or is this your flesh because there are places in my life this is why I sit down with my counselor there are places in my life that my flesh creeps in I have given my heart to Jesus 
I have given my life to Jesus. I am his son. I am his child. I belong to him. But there are still places in my life that if I'm not careful, my flesh gets in the way. That doesn't mean that I'm not his son anymore. That's not how God works. It's not based on my performance. It's based on the performance that Jesus has already given for me. And he shared it with me. But if you're standing here and you've never put your faith in Jesus, you've never called on the Lord to be saved, the way that the Apostle Paul wrote in an earlier chapter in the book of Romans, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, then guess what? That list of the flesh didn't seem like a big deal to you. But as a believer in Jesus, the one that identifies in Christ reads that list and they go, oh, that's a problem. And if you sat there and you read it and you're like, I don't see a thing wrong with that list, then maybe it's time that you ask yourself, who has your heart? Galatians 2.20 we have to be crucified with Christ so that it's no longer I who lives, but Christ that lives inside of me. This morning, I wanna help you discover your identity that God intended for every human being to have. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I wanna ask the question, is there anyone in this room that would say, Pastor Adam, I have never put my faith in Jesus and identified with him. Would anyone be brave enough to just slip your hand up in the air and just say, Pastor Adam, that's me. I've never done that. Thank you. Anybody else? I've never done that. If you raise your hand, maybe you didn't raise your hand. I want to lead you in a prayer. But if you're here and you struggle with things of the flesh, give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. You know what? We've got time this morning. I've never done this in this room. But maybe during the song that we sing, Maybe some of you actually need to come to the, to the altar, come to the stage and pray and say, God, I'm leaving this right here so that my flesh is out the door. I wanna walk in my identity in Jesus. So if you raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the belief in your heart. Say, God, I come to you. I need you. I need the blood of Jesus. Come into my life and save me from my sins and help me live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song, but you know what? I'm going to stay here. I'm gonna stay right here. And if you feel led to come and pray, I'll pray with you. We'll pray with you. 
give whatever it is that you're holding onto in your flesh to Jesus. Let's sing.